passion and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our one podcast. This might be college football heaven. Yeah. And that seems to be one of the many questions being asked as uh, we inch closer to New Year's Day. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow and then uh, get a, time's a bus leave, Randy, right after the show. Yep. We get up, we get on the, uh, the Greyhound for Pasadena, which is uh, where we'll spend a lot of time uh, this afternoon talking about that. We thank all of you for. Sorry about that. <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm just not ready for this, uh, this afternoon gig after a couple after Christmas. I'm not quite back in the, in the, uh, in the boat. Let's get to some headlines here. And Alabama adds unprecedented film study security because what Michigan is known for. Yeah, right. Everybody picking on poor old Michigan. What have they ever done? This is the tale of the tape. Advantage Michigan in terms of the defensive side of the ball. Michigan's got a good defense. Meanwhile, why Alabama's Nick Saban, Jalen Milrow form unfamiliar tests for Michigan? Well, because they're actually good, something Michigan doesn't see during the regular season. John Talty uh, covering uh, the events uh, out in California. Good to see you, John. Thanks so much for dropping in and uh, we're really curious uh first of all uh what's it been like out there what are you picking up and uh, then we'll we'll move on to monday good afternoon good afternoon paul it seems like you're in a bit of a feisty mood and i think that's uh been reflected out here in california too i think there's been a few noteworthy developments today you know first real day of uh, media availabilities you never really know what you're going to get and i feel like at least from the Alabama side of things, there's been two notable developments. Uh, the first one being multiple Alabama players telling media, including myself today, that they've made some changes in their preparation for the Rose Bowl. Uh, they referenced the Michigan sign-stealing scandal uh, in which they are now, you know, changing up how they watch film. Usually these guys can, you know, re-watch game, uh, practice film, things like that on their iPads. They're all doing that now on one uh, and a team group development. So I think that was something that's certainly getting some traction today. And then the other big one, I think, Paul, Jalen Milrow with some, I thought, pretty fiery comments talking about former Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien telling him that he shouldn't be a quarterback and suggesting other positions he possibly could have switched to. Uh, that's something that I'm curious if, if O'Brien discussed at all, maybe of some of the New England media, but certainly Alabama fans uh, who weren't the biggest fans of Bill O'Brien to begin with, I think that's just another reason for them to uh, be fired up and not the, the biggest fans of their former offensive coordinator. Yeah, John, considering uh, O'Brien's uh, under two weeks away from being unemployed as the offensive coordinator uh, at New England, I, I doubt he probably is giving much concern to that. But, but it is, it is a, a great understory. Let me, let me start with Michigan, though, because we all know Connor, Connor Stallions is gone. We think uh, uh, his days of whatever he was doing are over. Uh, Explain maybe a little more in-depth why uh, Alabama decided to make this into an issue today. Well, I don't know if they made it into – well, I don't know if they wanted to make it into an issue, but certainly it, it has become one. I, I think 
you know this as well as anybody, Paul. Coaches in general are pretty paranoid people. I think that there's a lot of secrecy that goes involved in terms of preparation, and I think that happens regardless, in part because you know the, there's a kind of understood feeling of signs that happens during games you know, all the time, and, and guys are always trying to guard against that. So this feels like a step beyond that. I think it's just an extra level of precaution and security. What I do think is interesting is that Isaiah Bond, the Alabama receiver, uh, who's you know, blossomed into, you could argue, one of Alabama's you know, most explosive weapons, specifically brought up Alabama's catapult system, uh, which is, is used for some ways for, you know, monitoring guys in terms of their speeds and things like that. But he also brought up about how that's where, you know, their practice film and other things are on. And he essentially accused Michigan of stealing that stuff in the past. You know, his specific uh, quote, which I'll, I'll read to you real fast here, Paul, uh, was I guess they were looking at other people's play calls and hand signals from the first eight games, stuff like that. We were able to watch film as a team, but personally we can't watch film for some reason like Michigan stealing sides. Uh, that's the first real accusation that I've heard publicly uh, from somebody. It, it, all of it in the past has been all the different coverage and stories has been about Connor Stallions, you know, in-person scouting, assembling this kind of network of people uh, to, to go to different games and scout opponents, which is, of course, NCAA rules. I, I don't know if Isaiah, you know, maybe misheard it or maybe that is what they believe and they're taking that extra step, but that was – I think a pretty spicy allegation that to the best of my knowledge, no other kind of coach or player has made publicly uh, before today. John talking with us, John, uh, we all saw that uh, utterly goofy picture yesterday uh, at Disneyland, but with, with Mickey and Saban and Harbaugh. And I just couldn't help, but, but wonder how natural Nick Saban looked, even though, that is usually an awkward moment for him, but he looked like a Shakespearean actor and Harbaugh looked like just an absolute fool. Uh, I realize we're talking about a snapshot, but I am curious to get inside that relationship, assuming there is one between Saban and Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because there, there is a shared connection. Uh, there's been some stories over the years of those guys, you know, connecting, I think it was at a final four years ago and, and then kind of connecting on the floor and talking ball. And, you know, there's some overlap uh, between these two guys. I believe that at one point Saban as a defensive coordinator at Michigan state, you know, had to go against Harbaugh. So they have some shared stuff, but they've also taken some shots at each other over the years. And again, it, with the kind of current college football world that we live in now, it all feels kind of quaint. But as you remember, there was a time where Jim Harbaugh is kind of barnstorming, uh, off-campus tour that went through the South, uh, you know, led to some kind of some shots back and forth, and Alabama wasn't super thrilled, along with other SEC schools of Jim Harbaugh coming to Alabama and other states and hosting his camps because the SEC coaches were not allowed to do the same. And so those guys kind of took some shots back and forth. And uh, But I think for the most part, there, there's a, a respect between those two guys, and they've both been in it for a long time. And I think that you know, they, they, they are as you know, respectful as they can be. But another thing that I'll add is that what's interesting about these two guys in particular is that they've both been very successful. Uh, they both have obviously, you know, leading well-known kind of the premier programs in college football. And with that, they are both very good recruiters. But in person, both of these guys are pretty introverted and can be a little awkward at times. So it is, I think that's why people have enjoyed that photo so much, just imagining the awkwardness 
uh, that preceded that photo being taken. And there's some specific reasons uh, why uh, almost every conversation that probably you have had this week, uh, I know I've had a number of them re recently, where, where a broadcaster or, or somebody will ask the question, do you think this will be Jim Harbaugh's last game at Michigan? I just I find there's a touch, a touch of irony considering that Nobody's asking the same question about the 72-year-old the coach who has done everything in the sport and has had uh, an amazing season. We're all asking it about Jim Harbaugh, who is considerably younger, but also uh, seemingly closer to the end. Yeah, and I think there's some, some obvious reasons why that you, of course, know, too. I think there's the, the two major factors are, A, I think there is going to be NFL interest uh, in Jim there's been some you know multiple off seasons now he's you know how close he's come to taking those jobs I think is somewhat up for debate and you know only probably a few people know the full truth but he's certainly been up for some jobs in the past and it's been well reported in the last week or so of a you know, specific clause that he's either against or not against uh, related to NFL interest moving forward um, so I think that's part of it I think there's also just a question as to you know what could be coming down the line from the NCAA I think there was a lot made about the Big Ten and you know Jim being suspended uh, but he also was suspended at the beginning of the season which I think people have forgotten about for a different NCAA situation and those two investigations continue on and so I do think there's questions as to if things go well uh, or even if they don't go well uh, in a couple of days here in the Rose Bowl is there, does it make sense to maybe take the off-ramp, assuming there is real NFL interest? Uh, I think on the flip side, the, the question is a little bit simpler, I think, with, with Nick Saban. It's not, is he going to go to the NFL? Is there, it's simply just, when does he retire? Uh, so I think that's why it's more on Jim. But, I mean, I think I've certainly heard those questions. I definitely get asked all the time, when is Nick Saban going to leave? I'm sure you do as well. Maybe it's just not playing out quite as much in the media availabilities this week, but I think that's always going to be something that kind of hangs over his head a bit, just given his age and all that he's accomplished. Well, John, as somebody who who's so deeply invested in, in, in Saban, having written uh, the bestseller a year and a half ago, currently working on another book that will include whatever Saban ends up doing here, uh, as you, you know, being you know, a keen watcher, what, what, what do you look for? What points of reference with Nick Saban uh, will, you, will you watch? Uh, because so many people just seem to think, it, well, if he wins it all this year, that means one thing. Although others knowing that you know, that win over Georgia meant so much, uh, unpack all that for us. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that those things apply to other people. I don't know that they do as much with, with Nick Saban. I think that some of the ways that you or I might think of would be the ideal way to, to wrap up an incredible career going out on top, you know, the, the Rudy scene of being carried off by your players or whatever. I don't think Nick Saban thinks that way at all. I don't think that he thinks that far down the line. I think the thing that as I've tried to talk to different people and try to wrap my arms around it all, and I will say this is not, you know, not to speculate, but I, I will say that more and more people are asking. People that I talk to around the SEC, there's more and more questions like, hey, what do you think? And I think that's played out more in the last month or two. Certainly some more questions and speculation. Hey, what do you think is happening here? Do you think this is the year that he ends up leaving? And these aren't just, you know, random bozos. These are people who are informed, and they're kind of like, hey, like, you heard anything about this? So it's always kind of interesting leading into the playoff. But I think when I've tried to really think about it, I think it ultimately just comes down to health. I think if he's able to – maintain his, his health, 
and able to still deliver at a high level, he's going to want to continue. I think if that starts to impact his ability to maintain what is an absolute grind of a daily lifestyle. And I think that's just one of those things. I mean, naturally you see people start to age, you see things that you might say, Hey, that's, you know, he's maybe not a hundred percent in this or that. I think that's one of those things you, you try to keep a little bit of a close eye on, but he's still obviously going at an incredible level. He's, you know, this has probably been one of his best coaching years ever, if not the best. And so I could see why people could talk themselves into him wanting to go out on top. But I think the way he thinks, there's just another opportunity to try to go back on top, even if he does uh, win a national championship this year. But, but John, uh, having spent so much time around him, is it, is it a fair guess that that's not something he's going to think about until the season's over? I think that's the way that I view it. I think that the way that he goes about things, that's how I personally believe it. Now, he might, in his deepest part of his brain, think something differently than that. But I think just generally how he goes about things, that's how it is. And I think there's, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but there's a kind of a famous Bill Parcells quote, who, of course, you know, Nick Saban's part of that tree, that, like, basically once you start thinking about retiring, you're basically retired. And so I think that you kind of have to have that, daily edge to be able to do what is needed every day so you hear some of the speculation whatever but if you start living that way then you're not going to want to get on a plane and fly across the country all over the place recruiting 16 and 17 year olds you know you have to have that uh that mentality to survive at this level so i'm of the belief i agree with you paul i think it would be something more after it's over thinking about it it's hard for me to believe him doing a coach k type thing where he wants a retirement tour. I just don't, that just goes against everything that I know about him and how he's done things in the past. Yeah. I mean, just an observation, John. I mean, Nick Saban looks fully engaged. He doesn't look beaten down, washed up, uh, over the hill, much like Mac Brown did last night in, in that bowl game. And Mac Brown and Nick Saban are about the same age. Yeah. Poor Mac Brown is taking a rico- ricochet shot from you there, Paul. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I, I think about this all the time. Like I hope that when I am Nick Saban's age, I am anywhere close to how healthy he is, how hard he works, what he's able to do on a daily basis. It's really absurd when you think about it. But again, he, this has been a very hard coaching job. And I, I think that maybe hasn't been talked about enough, but this is not his most talented team. They had the early loss to Texas. They struggled mightily against South Florida. I mean, this has taken a lot, I think, for him to build this team up. And a lesser coach wouldn't have been able to do that. Mac Brown, I think, would not have been able to do that. We know he wouldn't have been able to do that with this Alabama team. And so it shows just, even if he's not the 40-year-old version of the 50-year-old version of his himself, the 72-year-old version of Nick Saban is still operating at an incredibly high level and still by far one of, if not the top coaches in college football. John Telty out in California giving us the absolute latest. John, thanks. We'll see you in a matter of hours or days. Thank you very much, John Telty, joining us from L.A. As uh, we continue here, Michael McCann on uh, what's happening in the ACC and elsewhere. Lance Leipold, what a, what a win for Kansas late last night. And Kirk Bowles down in Austin covering, uh, well, he'll be in New Orleans covering the Sugar Bowl. And we are going to... Uh, Take a short break. Much more to come. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. And welcome back here on a Thursday afternoon. Let's uh, update you on uh, the latest from the NCAA. Michael McCann will talk about Charlie Baker's year, amateurism. Bad year in court for a lot of people, including the NCAA. Way down yonder, there is a game going on. I, I've, I've done a couple of interviews today, and, and everybody said, oh, and by the way, the game uh, on, on Monday night. That is definitely the, uh, the also-ran for the time being. Maybe a great game, but we're not interested at the moment. Carson Beck said NIL money was never a main factor, just a minor factor. Florida State said they should be the champions if, if undefeated. Uh, that was the uh, backup to the backup quarterback who, who made that truly memorable statement. And I, I don't know. I, uh, I've always been a big believer that you, you don't punch down to those who can't help themselves. It's a, it's a golden rule in comedy that uh, if you make fun of the downtrodden, uh, it, it brings bad karma. And, and I, I, I'm done with making fun of, of Florida State. I mean, their own, I mean, their program speaks for itself, doesn't it? They, they threw a fit. The governor and the senators and all those people spoke out. Now, they did not like the way the, they didn't feel like the, the ACC stood up for them enough, so they're suing the ACC, and now the ACC suing them, oh, and they want to be the national champion if they're undefeated. There's only one problem with being undefeated. They're not going to be undefeated. They're going to lose by 50, 60, hopefully 70 points to Georgia. I'll take, I'll take 21, though. Uh, so that, that's really where they are. And 
I hope they enjoy the trip to Miami, get a chance to get some stone crabs while they're there. But uh, they won't be able to eat for a week after Georgia puts a beat down on them. Let's go to, ooh, oh, look who's back after three weeks. Daryl. Well, I don't know if Georgia's going to put a beat down on them. I mean, I don't, I don't know what Georgia – is Georgia only going to show up for the game? I'm asking you. Uh, I, I didn't really know we were engaging. I've been looking for you for about a month, and you just suddenly come out from well, under a rock? Well, you know what, Paul? I had to digest everything that went down. I don't have a problem with the game. I mean, Alabama did things that Alabama that, that went their way that they had not done in the past. They didn't get a lot of penalties. That's a problem that they had had, okay? And Georgia couldn't stop them when we, had, when we needed to stop them to get the ball back. So okay. they, Alabama definitely deserved to win the game. I don't have a problem with losing a three-point game to Alabama in a conference championship because, I mean, they're Alabama, right? Where I have a problem is that we were left out of the 14 playoff. This is what I don't get, Paul. Okay. I heard that um, the guy, whatever his name is, that's over the playoff committee, he said that they, they went by the body of work, right? Well, if you went by the body of work, you had Georgia number one in your poll predominantly the entire time until the last game against Alabama. Now, are you, you're saying that the loss to Alabama is not good enough. I mean, it put, it put Alabama in, in the playoff, but it, it was a bad loss for Georgia. I don't get that, and that's what I don't get. How, if we're the number six team, how are we a 14-point favorite over the number five team? I mean, that, that makes no sense at all. Georgia deserves, deserves to be in that playoff. Do you disagree? Uh, no, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think we – I don't know what the line would be. This, and this is – this committee, man, I know next year we won't have to worry about this. It goes 12 teams. But this committee, they, they – how can you have a team number six and, and, and the team they're playing, the number five team, they're a 14-point favorite over it. I mean, that, that's just that, – that, that makes no sense to me at all. But Alabama deserved to win the football game. They played – I told you a couple of weeks leading up to the game, I said, this is what's going to – this is what's going to decide the football game. Can Georgia – do something they hadn't done all year, which not let a quarterback beat them with their legs. Now, Milrose didn't have a lot of yards rushing, but he had some big runs. He had some very big runs to, to extend drives. And that right there is what caused Georgia the game. But you know what, Paul? When you've got two teams that are that close in talent, it's the little things that tend to, to decide the game, like Georgia mishandling the ball and fumbling it. That gave out, they, they did hold Alabama to a field goal, but that's three points right there. Like Georgia – getting a penalty on special teams and backing it up five yards, and then the kicker hits the front of the bar. That, those, those, that's six points right there. That six points mattered. But um, it's, just, I, it's the committee that I have an issue with. I think we should be in the playoff. That was, that they, and this is why I think we're out, Paul. I don't think it has anything to do with, with that, that game or anything else. I think, and this is my personal opinion, until they can prove me I'm wrong, this is what I believe. I believe they didn't want two SEC schools in the Final Four. They did not want to, because Georgia would have been four, Alabama would have been three, which means we, they did not want uh, two SEC schools in the, in, the, in the national title game. They are sick and tired of the SEC, and they were not going to let the SEC win three in a row. I think, my opinion, my opinion, I think they're going to screw Alabama in the Michigan game, the refs will, and, and they're going to find a way to get them out of there. We'll see how it goes. But my issue was not with the SEC championship game. Alabama played good enough to win the game, and they won the game. My issue is okay, with Darryl, the Okay, Listen, you, you're just making a bunch of points. By the way, you're making a bunch of points that you were critical of Nick Saban 
a year ago when he used the point spread as a basis to get in the playoffs. So why don't you just quote Saban directly and say, well, on, he was, on, I was wrong, he was right last year, and we're out of time right th now this year. We'll take a short break. Back with much more. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We're back, and Hugh is up next in Deep Gap, North Carolina. Happy New Year, my brother, Paul Feinbaum. Hello, Hugh. Welcome back. Well, uh, I've been very curious about uh, how a 30-year uh, tradition in the NFL is running into a roadblock in college football. Who will be making the decision that would permit the sound booth or the coaching booth to have direct communication with the quarterback on the field like has been the protocol in the NFL for more than 30 years? Well, that's a decision that uh, that's, a, that's a rule of the game, isn't it? So that's an NCAA decision. So that's left up to the NCAA. Well, it's that's up to the it's news. left up to the NCAA governing body. Meaning, uh, I think those things are voted on, are they not? Well, here's what yeah. concerns me. I've had a curiosity about this for for several reasons, mostly because I've watched uh, the Liam Cohen, the coordinator at Kentucky, try to implement a pro offense. Right. Given the problems of communication. They have somewhere around 55 snaps a game, and the average college football team is going off at 60 to 65. And, and, and here's the deal. I, I, I've listened to a lot of people's comments about this, about this very issue off and on over the last four months. And here's the take that makes more sense to me than anything. If you ask a coach about it in public, on the record, they'd say, well, it's fine with me. Why not? But you close the door, and the coaching hypocrisy becomes prevalent. Okay. The people that run spread offenses that are very simple do not want to extend professional courtesies of direct communication at the college level. It's that simple, Paul. I have a recommendation to make. There are big differences in the pro game and in the college spread game, 
and there's a young man who was young 25 years ago. He's a, he's a mature man these days, Tim Couch, that played for the one of the primary sure. inventors of the spread offense, Mike Leach. Right. Mike Leach was the coordinator at Kentucky. He's the guy that masterminded the bluegrass fast break on grass, not Hal Mummy. And if you want to find out the incredible differences between that style of football and the real pro game, have a talk with Tim Couch. He'll give you an earful of it. I will. No, I've been around Tim a couple of times, and I'll do that the next time I see him. Thank you, Hugh. Appreciate your call. And uh, let's check in with Irvin next in Georgia. Hey, Irvin. Hey, Mr. Paul, man, I'm a big fan, man. I'm, Thank you. I'm originally from Montgomery, Alabama. Yes, sir. And I was listening to you back into the days on the AM station. Oh, man, you, 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 were, you were that one guy who was listening, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm just so glad to be here. Listen, I want to – I wish I was right behind Daryl. I remember Daryl from back in the days, too. But let me just point out to all these Georgia fans – and all these folks that keep on failing to have the formula to success. First of all, if Georgia would have kept, instead of being chicken liver, if they would have kept Oklahoma on their schedule, think about this, Paul, if they would have kept Oklahoma on their schedule and Oklahoma still went through with beating Texas, just imagine where Georgia would be to Darrell. Daryl, you got the second weakest schedule in the Power Five according to statistics. So say less. Paul, this is what I want to say. I'm originally from Montgomery, Alabama, so since that other guy that fixed on air conditioner took my eye, they called me I'll be the man. And I just want to point out to all of these folks, to be the man, you got to schedule like the man by the name <laughs> of Nick Saban. Just think about it. Nick Saban been scheduling tough people outside of the conference all the way back to his second tenure. Oh, yeah. That's Every, fact, uh, all the time. Right? Yeah. He's been scheduling tough people. That's what people fail to realize. In Michigan, Michigan is going to get the same thing that they got over there in Texas. When they met and, and they scheduled a, a, with a home and home or something like that, just a couple of years back here, Florida State no good too well as a number what they were number three I believe, and then Alabama broke their uh, quarterback uh, um and things. Right. Just case in point, I know it's other people that got to call in, Paul. I just want you to know, man, is that I love your show so so much. I'm a big fan. I'm a big truck driver. There it is right there. Big, hey, th- hey, Irvin, uh, thank you very much. And uh, I don't think you realize, and I want you to pass this along to your fellow truck drivers, that when we this show 13, almost 14 years ago, went on satellite radio, uh, everybody thought it was a mistake. Nobody thought this show would, would be successful. The reason we became successful were truck drivers all over the country who listened to satellite radio, they started calling in, and that was the only audience we had outside of the, of the immediate Alabama area. Wow. Hey, listen, thank you again. I surely will tell them every time. And I, and I look, 
Spell my name with the I, like I told you. It's I-R-V-I-N. Get it right now. Irvin, come, we come are on. we are the university. And listen, after we win you're this not Irvin, you're Irvin. I want you to be the first one to say it. D, when you talk about Alabama, D Crimson Tide, D man, I want a D. I'm a D University of Alabama, big roll tide. Paul. Irvin, we just changed it. You now have an I. An I for an I. Well done, Irvin. <laughs> Sheila is up next. Good afternoon. Hey, Paul. So Sheila. fine. So fine, Paul. How Great to hear you? from you. It's good. Guess what? Uh, welcome to a new bowl game. It's called the Steeler Bowl. You know what that is? No. Well, the Steeler Bowl is Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan team because, you know, they still plays and calls and people. <laughs> they do everything. They, they, uh, they, they're they're robber barons. Yeah, yeah. And Alabama still, you know, national championship spots, you know. So I'm calling it the new Steeler Bowl. And I'm calling it, and on your show years ago, I told you all, you know, I went to Michigan State. I remember when Nick Saban was with George Perlis. I remember when Jim Harbaugh was playing for Bo Schembechler. So I'm from there. So I remember on your show, Paul, I said to watch Jim Harbaugh. I said, watch the golden boy from California, California Slick. I said that on your show. You did. And so it's all coming to fruition now. Alabama, I'm an Auburn fan, a Michigan State fan. I do not like them, but I love me some Sabinator. The Nick Sabinator will beat down Jim Harbaugh. He already did it before. He already knows this guy's style. So they're going to win that game, but it's called now officially the Steeler Bowl. Your thoughts, Paul? <laughs> well, I like that, Sheila. And uh, I was in Birmingham briefly about a week and a half ago, and I, I couldn't help but think of you. I re- Remember so many, so many great moments, uh, and you still have a yeah, few left like in you. <laughs> you know, Paul, you are my favorite. We go way back, but I appreciate you always let me. You know, I'm a big sports person, closet sports person, but you know me well, and um, you know I know what I'm talking about oh, on yeah. that one. So it's going to be interesting to watch that, and then I'll get back with you about the Auburn stuff a little later. Okay. I can't even stomach it yet. I hear you. Sheila, always great. You be well. Happy Happy New Year. We'll take a short break, and we are back with much more. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. And we are back, and Lee is up next in Cincinnati. Hello, Lee. Hey, Paul. Thanks for taking my call. I just want to say I drive a truck also, and so just want to say thank you for all the other truck drivers that listen to you. Thank you. You know, <laughs> they are my brethren. So, but what I wanted to ask you about was this. Have you heard anything regarding you know, that Saban's going to retire after this year? And then after that, um, he's going to wait a year and then probably come back and coach the Florida Gators? you think that's a possible scenario? No. Is there some reason why you do? Because I'm, I live in a fantasy land, and I, okay. and I always hope for the best for the Gators. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't know what Saban's going to do, but – uh, I think uh, Billy Napier had better do something. Well, let's face it. If, if a miracle doesn't happen down there in Gainesville this year, Napier's not going to have a job, you know. But I just thought that this might be a, a plausible scenario because, let's face it, Gainesville, great place to retire. He could have his uh, third team in that same conference for national championship. Well, I mean, the, the, good, the good news for Coach before. Saban, he already owns a home down there, so he could uh, have the helicopter pick him up every day to go to practice. Exactly right, and I, ho- I hope he's listening to this, so that way this could, this could plant that idea in his ear, you know. So, 
Yeah, no, I mean, so, it, uh, by the way, Lee, I appreciate your, your optimism uh, for the future of Florida. And I don't, uh, I don't really have much optimism right now because well, uh, I don't have. I think I, I, don't, like, I, I know to, everyone I is dancing around it, but I, I don't think people realize how truly bad that program is at the moment in terms of of what it just got through losing and what it barely was able to hold on to. And and what I don't understand is the reason uh, I, I, we've all we've talked to Napier a million times and he seems well organized. He seems like uh, he finally has everything going from an, an infrastructure standpoint, but he just can't seem to get it done. I know, and it's unfortunate because I've been a Gator fan for every. I've been I've been alive fifty three years. Always been a Gator fan. My parents taught me to be a Gator fan, even in the worst years when they couldn't win an inner squad game. I was a Gator fan, you know. And it seemed like that. At but, one point, but, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not being Pollyanna fall. here, but uh, a, a year ago, Missouri was looking pretty desperate, and somehow, some way, they, they 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 jumped out, got the right players in there, and 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 had a huge year. It can happen. Uh, the SEC. Uh, there, there, it's not a guarantee that you're. Uh, that I've, I've, I still believe that Florida has enough going for it that they can they can do more sometimes than, than maybe your your average program. But uh, it, it looks pretty bad right now. Jay is up next. Hello, Jay. Hey, roll tide, Paul. Hey there, Paul. I had a close one last week, Paul. You know I got colon and liver cancer, right? I remember you telling me that. That is a bad combination. Yeah, well, see, when it when I first got diagnosed, uh, uh, the one inside my liver was the size of a grapefruit. Oh. Well, now they've done got that under control, and it's done split to where it, it's about the size of two quarters. But the one in my colon, it's been blocking me to where I can't, use the bathroom i have to take stool softers and all that well i got completely impacted and uh they had to do an emergency surgery and go oh in goodness. and put like a stent sure put like a stent oh it was bad paul i felt bad for them nurses that did the surgery for real it was it was a very so, so jay what what uh what are they telling you now well check it out uh he did a colonoscopy first, right? And uh, the best news of all of it is it's mostly scar tissue. Okay. And see, they didn't—they didn't even think it had shrunk or anything until they saw it with the camera. But it's just that, so that did, it uh, fell down. Uh, Jay, did the did the scar tissue wrap itself around uh, the intestine? No, it's just oh. completely blocking my anus. Okay. No, because I, I had something when I was uh, younger where I'd had uh, an appendectomy uh, in college, and the scar tissue from the appendectomy years later began to wrap itself around, and oh, they had they man. had to go in there and uh, and laser it out because uh, I mean it, it's bad enough to have surgery, but it's it's even worse when your surgery years later creates almost another operation. But uh, yeah. it turned out to be a pretty minor deal. I mean, compared to what, what you're going through, this was like a, uh, a hiccup. Oh, uh, well, uh, well, the best news of it all is that, you know, and now he's going to go in and he's going to pull it all out. And so I, I, hopefully I'll be looking real good. But I urge all your callers, all your callers and listeners, 
If you're 50 and haven't had a colonoscopy, please go get right. one. Randy, you have one? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I had one. Roll time, Paul. Hey, Y'all have a great afternoon. Yeah, by, by the way, he, uh, uh, Jay is right. And uh, last time I, uh, when I had a physical last summer, I, I got that lecture from my doctor. And I said, well, I jump, I'll jump on it the second the season's over. Hope the season goes for months. I didn't, didn't mention basketball, baseball, softball, cross country, and track. And then football's back, so Michael McCann joining us. Next. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.